For LA Theatre Bites, this is David Reinwald. I had the exciting opportunity to see the new revival of Merrily We Roll Along at the beautiful Wallace Annenberg Center in Beverly Hills. This was my first time seeing this musical, and also my first time in the larger Bram Goldsmith Theatre at the Wallace. Let me first say that I am really impressed with the variety of offerings at the Wallace, and the main theatre is a stunning space. I am an immense fan of director and actor Michael Arden, having followed a lot of his acting career in New York. He is an amazingly talented performer and singer, and while he is still building his directorial chops, I think he really has an incredible and creative perspective on the creative process that is uniquely his own, very much also a product of his experience as a performer now turned director. In Sondheim's Merrily, Arden has assembled a top-notch cast led by an incredible team of leads, Aaron Lazar, Donna Vivino, Wayne Brady, who was notably ill in Out the Night that I attended, and Whitney Bashore, with support also from Seikhan Sengblo and Amir Talai. This is a Broadway-worthy team, and I feel lucky to have seen them performing here on the West Coast. I actually had quite a merrily-filled day on the day that I went to see this production. I began by seeing the documentary, The Best, Worst Thing That Could Have Happened. This documentary covers the story of the creation of the original production of Merrily. It explains how the production was conceived and ultimately its surprising and shocking downfall. The documentary also makes light of how the musical was very much ahead of its time. This was mainly because it tells a story in a backwards, regressive timeline, and to add to this, the original cast were all extremely young actors who were opening the show as older and perhaps less embodied characters. An interview with director Michael Arden answered the question of perhaps why this musical is easier to follow and appreciate these days, and this is because we are better prepared to follow a storyline which is not linear, for so many TV shows, movies, as well as newer theater productions can be found to follow this style today. An interesting note about the plot of this musical, with the book written by George Firth, is that there is also an incredible allegory in the plotline, which parallels the artistic relationship and professional complications between composer Stephen Sondheim and director Hal Prince, which literally went from stage to reality, or perhaps vice versa. Ironically, Sondheim and Prince patched their professional relationship over 20 years later, at a reunion concert performance of the original cast of this show. I do still feel as a first-time goer to this musical that the storyline is a little bit challenging and leaves you looking back when you arrive at the conclusion all the way back to the beginning of the performance to try and trace the character development. In reverse, of course. At the same time, the musical still uncovers elements about the characters as it uncovers the plot in its unique way. The odd thing about the regressive timeline of the musical is that some of the major moments happen before you ever see the build-up to those pinnacle events. For example, Beth, the ex-wife of the main character Franklin Shepard, is a character that we hardly know when she enters the stage to sing one of the most famous songs from the musical, Not a Day Goes By. This, for me, doesn't really work in the dramatic sense as it should because of the regressive element. Yet, this would be the case for 
any production of this musical. I did very much like the energy of this production. They carried it for, forward for the entire two and a half hours, and this show did feel like a saga of a story to me, in part because they are displaying the running backward calendar year as the scenes change, and the nature of the story itself. We are seeing all of the dramatic points over the history of a trio of friends from their midlife crises rewound to their budding youth. I don't believe that this is an easy production to pull together, so one of its successes that is worth noting are the transitions between scenes when we are turning back the clock. There were some rather creative uses of lighting to do this. However, the overall design elements of this production are fairly basic and sometimes even quite stark. There are a number of set pieces resembling dressing room mirrors and tables that are askew on both sides of the stage. They sit there the entire production and seem to be positioned to just fill the stage and hide some of the actors' entrances and exits. I often wanted more to look at on the stage to keep me engaged beyond just the interpersonal relationships, which are the essential component to the plot. Although that is the thing about this musical, it doesn't want your mind to wander far from the character-driven momentum, and if Sondheim is a master at one thing... It is translating relationships to his score, and ultimately, he hands this off as a gift to any team who stages any one of his works. For director Michael Arden, unlike in his riveting and passionately upended Spring Awakening last season, this production is not turning this show on its head, but it is a gift to be able to see this musical, which to my knowledge is not produced all that often, and furthermore, it has definitely not been produced in the LA area anytime recently. I know for a fact that Michael Arden will continue to have a lot to offer to this theater community and the theater community as a whole, as will the Wallace. I encourage excited theatergoers to support this production and everything that you will find at the Wallace Annenberg Center. This is a very exciting time for the LA theater community, for us to usher in support of its new offerings to help them continue to grow, and the more we who love theater support it, the more it will become a reality. For LA Theater Bites, this has been David Reinwald. <laughs>